to the Knowledge at Wharton and IIX podcast series from Backstreet to Wall Street where we speak with women innovators and entrepreneurs who are building peace in a new way. In this episode we're going to talk about the rise of sustainable ETFs or exchange traded funds which present an exciting opportunity in empowering small scale retail investors to invest in sustainability. In 2018, sustainable ETFs accounted for some $25 billion of retail investments. BlackRock has predicted that over the next 10 years, sustainable ETFs will grow by 1,500% to be worth about $400 billion by 2028. The growing popularity of sustainable ETFs is often associated with millennial investors. who tend to be more concerned about the social and environmental impact of their investments and who also tend to be attracted to ETFs because of their low fees and broad diversification we're going to talk today with about this quiet revolution in sustainable finance uh, with a, with our guest Aniket Shah who is the head of sustainability investing at Oppenheimer Funds Oppenheimer is a global asset manager which with its subsidiaries manages more than 213 billion dollars in assets for more than 13 million investor accounts also joining us in this conversation is Doreen Shanaz uh, our collaborator in this podcast and Doreen is the founder and CEO of Impact Investment Exchange or IIX uh, which has a decade of experience in developing solutions for women's empowerment for a more inclusive and peaceful world Uh, Doreen and Aniket, welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Doreen, can you tell us uh, a little bit about the state of sustainable ETFs? What are your thoughts on that, about that? Um, Mokul, thanks for um, having me in the show. Um, and uh, this is really very exciting to be on the season two. And, um, you know, it's interesting. But when you talk about sort of sustainable ETFs, I mean, they really do hold, uh, you know, significant potential and... Uh, you know, they're sort of passively managed fund with, you know, sort of much lower um, expense ratio. And it has an appeal to a wider investor base, um, including, very importantly now, the millennials. Um, and this is an important um, uh, sort of concept in the financial markets because if you think about the whole notion of sustainability or impact investing, et cetera, all of these are really very much still focused on um, high net worth individuals or the funds. So the ETFs or, you know, sort of the mutual funds, these really allow for the retail, you know, investor to come in. And uh, and it really is a fantastic way to kind of move the whole space of sustainability from the margins to mainstream. Um, and these ETFs also, frankly, it allows for a higher degree of transparency and uh, it does, you know, allow for an uh, entire portfolio to be publicly held and hold these public listed companies accountable you know about doing good so that's that's sort of start with that and we can go deeper sure Th- thanks Doreen and Anika I'd, I'd like to ask you about ETFs as well but before that uh, why don't we talk a little bit about you what got you started on this journey of building uh, a peaceful and sustainable world oh, wow well uh, Mokul thank you and, and Doreen thank you for having me it's really a pleasure and a privilege Um, I have spent my career working at the intersection of financial markets and sustainable development, never thinking that the two worlds would be uh, trying uh, or at least attempting 
to speak each other's languages the way that they are currently. Um, my interest in this space really began in the human rights world. I was, became involved with Amnesty International very early in my life, uh, in middle school and high school, and went to college thinking that the answers to the world can be, or the, the answers to the problems of the world can be solved by human rights and human rights alone. Uh, as I studied more and traveled more, I realized that although human rights are important, they are, of course, uh, interwoven with the economic system quite a bit, and that got me interested in looking at economics and economic development, what actually drives societies to prosper, and the impacts that that could have on human beings. And then roughly nine years ago, I had the great pleasure of working at the Earth Institute at Columbia University for a few years as a, as a researcher. And then Mokul basically started to wonder, my goodness, if we don't figure out our impacts on the planetary system, then the economics that I was interested in and, the, of course, the ultimate lives of individuals that I was interested in, well, all of that could go awry, too. So it was sort of one thing that led to another that led to another and, and got me to thinking about these questions of sustainability and sustainable development. The financial markets can play, as we all know, either an incredibly helpful role in solving some of these big problems that the world faces or an incredibly destructive role, as we've seen time and time again in the big crises, um, but also the, the ongoing crises that continue to exist in our society and that the financial markets are basically not just ignorant of, but in a way support and encourage. Uh, and so I was, I've always been intellectually interested in all these questions. And then over the past few years, as more and more mainstream Wall Street firms uh, tried to figure them, them out, I wanted to get my hands dirty. So I came here to Oppenheimer Funds uh, in late 2017 to help this business figure out what it wants to do and what's the right way to engage with the topic of sustainability and sustainable development. Uh, uh, thanks, Aniket. And I'm, I'm sure we'd like to probe that a little deeper in a bit. But uh, in some ways, Doreen has already gotten her hands dirty with the Women's Livelihood Bond in 2017, which, uh, Doreen, I understand, was the first impact investment product listed on a stock exchange. Now, based on your uh, experience in creating the Women's Li Livelihood Bond, uh, how do you think sustainable ETFs uh, fit into this, uh, 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 into the objective of advancing development goals? Right. I think, Mukul, you know, it was interesting, um, you know, and, and we talked about the Women's Livelihood Bond before on the show. I mean, it was quite a journey. Um, and, of course, now we're doing, you know, multiples of that. But the interesting thing is the fact that not only that this is the first one, first product with women front and center, which came on the market, but also the fact that, you know, there is an incredible feedback loop, you know, in the impact side of this bond. So we not only um, created these products, which is creating livelihood for the women, but also we are actually going and asking the women what's the change in their life that's happening. And we do feel that um, this new element that we've been able to bring in, you know, through the bond into the market, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could actually do that with other products? And again, um, sort of an interest in the ETF is really because 
this is something, again, on the public market with the publicly listed companies. There has been a trend now to look at um, some of what I would say sort of more of the esoteric, um, you know, products, be it, you know, there's ETF for vegan products. Uh, there is, uh, you know, ETF for LBGT. So it's uh, right. So there is there are things out there where people are saying, hey, can we hold publicly listed companies accountable from this lens that we're looking at? And if we can take it to the next stage of really getting feedback from the from the people who are using the product or the service or somehow one of the stakeholders, um, it just will make it that much more powerful and bring us closer um, in terms of, you know, what the market is and really the ordinary people's lives. So I think... Um, the bond was a great start, but and I think again, as you know, you know, we are trying to do many more of these, and but we do think that if we are going to go closer to the market, we have to start thinking about you know this public listed companies, and uh, which I know you know Aniket is 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 really kind of pushing at it at Oppenheimer and looking at all of this. I mean, um, do you want to share some of that, Aniket, with us? I mean, sure. What are, the, yeah. what are the things you're doing in Oppenheimer? So I think that the uh, just taking a step back. The the rise of index investing is uh, both a great boon to the end investor for reasons that we all know. It has brought costs down tremendously. It has made um, investment much more transparent, and frankly speaking, it has gotten uh, is given the ability for end- individual investors to benefit from and and basically be involved with a great way of uh, participating in wealth accumulation, which is just broad exposure to a diversified set of securities. So that's the positive. The negative uh, or the challenge that comes with index investing is that, as Doreen mentioned earlier, you are in a way a passive investor. Um, You own so many individual securities and the and the fees are so low for the uh, the asset manager who's sponsoring this vehicle that in a way it ensures that status quo continues because for the most part shareholder engagement and shareholder activism although very important still has not yet been a powerful tool for changing the way that companies and corporations behave and if you own 20 stocks in a small mutual fund or in a mutual fund that had a concentrated position, you would develop relationships with, uh, or you could at least with management and with boards and so forth. But when you own hundreds and hundreds of individual securities, um, that becomes highly uh, problematic and challenging. So that's the basic quandary as I see it when it comes to index investing and sustainability. How do you actually fix that? Well, I think there are a, a few ways to do it. One is that you can try to incorporate some of this uh, now uh, improving ESG data into the construction of your indices. So you can tilt portfolios to either uh, companies that are improving their ESG profile or that are maybe not doing very well now but could improve in the future and so on and so forth. There are many ways that you can you can tilt or recreate indices using these data points. With all the caveats that ESG data is imperfect, it's incomplete, it's qualitative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And we do that here at Oppenheimer Funds. We have various ESG products that use uh, Sustainalytics and MSCI data and basically allow uh, end investors to have market exposure, but with a tilt towards companies that have uh, strong uh, ESG profiles. The second way that that ESG um, data, uh, I'm sorry, that ESG investing and index investing can coexist is really through um, active ownership and to ensure that you are voting your proxies in a way that are aligned with pro-social and pro-environmental goals. And here I must say that the 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 work of Oppenheimer Funds is quite exemplary. We have one of the most pro-climate change, pro-environmental voting records uh, on our proxy policy from our proxy policy um, on Wall Street, where we vote in favor of over 60% of all climate change resolutions and climate change-related resolutions, uh, a number that is matched by very, very few other large asset managers. And that's something I'm, I'm particularly proud of, of, of Oppenheimer. And then I think there is a lot more that can be done because avenues one and two that I just highlighted now, although they are useful, they are incomplete. And I think the great work that Doreen and her colleagues have done at IIX shows us that, in fact, there are ways, there are tools to really understand the impact of individual companies, whether they be small uh, businesses or potentially much larger ones, um, and understand what impact are they actually having, how are the end users of the products and services of these businesses actually engaging with their products, feeling about them, and on it, and, and so on and so forth. And the, one's imagination can really go quite, quite, quite wild about where you can take that, those types of insights in the construction of, uh, of, of new ways of investing. So I think that um, uh, ESG and index investing can be an incredibly powerful thing if we guide it and direct it um, in the right way. What we should all be very careful and be very worried about, though, is that if <laughs> index investing just becomes people owning the largest 500 companies in the United States or the largest 2,000 companies globally, without doing either active engagement or understanding impact or whatever, whatever, what you're basically doing is you're just buying the status quo. Um, and that's and that I think for those of us who believe that there needs to be major shifts in our energy systems and our social policies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, that could be quite problematic. Great. So, uh, th- thanks, Aniket. And so, Doreen, uh, I think uh, Aniket just raised a really interesting conundrum about, you know, how do you uh, marry ESG with index uh, investing? with some of the benefits that, you know, both of them have, but without falling into the trap of uh, uh, just ratifying the status quo. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, as Aniket was talking, I mean, I was really thinking, if you think about it, it's um, as just an individual investor and, and, you know, if you're not really active in the market, right, so if you're not sort of following it every day and just trading it and, and just you know, being a part of it. In some ways, I think 
these ESG indices or, you know, buying something in an ETF. I think it just allows you to be a part of something where, as a retail investor, you you won't be otherwise. And um, I guess making at least uh, some form of, uh, um, I guess, advocacy, you know, with with your dollar. And I think... um, you know, Anikit is absolutely right. I think the the reality is, you know, these are big companies. You know, these are basically, you know, obviously they are, you know, with your little investment, is, is this and if they, in the ETF, is it really going to make them change how they're doing things? Um, but I do feel that um, this just is another mechanism which has potential to um, allow companies to start thinking about changing their practices or, you know, changing the way they're doing things. And I think, you know, if we do start on top of that, start layering, you know, um, interesting ways of collecting data, uh, which shows that transparency, um, demonstrates that transparency um, in terms of what the company is doing and what people are feeling that they're doing, um, I think, you know, we may start seeing some movement. I mean, what do you think, Anket? I mean, because, again, we are, you know, just sort of starting to scrape this. Uh, I mean, do you think we can actually make companies change the way they behave through the media? <laughs> yeah, Doreen, it's a great question. You know, I, I'm laughing because um, it's I'm laughing out of pain, uh, not because <laughs> of. <laughs> you know, I I I really think that um, ESG and financial markets today could are is best encapsulated by. Um, Charles Dickens uh, opening lines of A Tale of Two Cities, which, you know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, it was the age of wisdom, it was the age of ignorance, and he goes on and on. Because, um, and and I think any of us uh, who work in this space um, I'm sure you would agree. You know, we we sort of bounce bef- bounce back and forth between incredible optimism and <laughs> unbelievable cynicism and pessimism. Both of them are well founded. Right? Yeah, so exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like we're like zigzagging every day because I don't know. To be honest, I, I'm I I believe that of course change is possible because ultimately the society that uh, we all live in it's it's a choice that we have or that many of us who have privileged enough to have a voice in politics or a voice in our and have savings and therefore a voice in our our economic system and our investment system we could change things like technically speaking it is possible i think what we are fighting against is just enormous amounts of inertia and enormous amounts of apathy um, I, I honestly think, Doreen, one of the, the many shortcomings, many, many shortcomings of the U.S. financial system is financial literacy. Most people just don't have a clue how the financial system works and down to an individual level how their own money is invested and what impact it's therefore having, good and bad, on the world. So I think it's possible. I know it's possible um, and it's it's just going to require so much more effort. Um, and I think your work is so important in all of this because it reminds us that it's not just about um, making sure that the effort is high, but the but that the intention and that the reason why we're doing all of this has to remain pure and has to m- remain uh, um, honest. Because you're, uh, I think you're uh, absolutely right that there are. 
many asset managers, many investors, many banks that are entering into this space and could contribute to industrial-scale greenwashing um, that actually slows down progress as opposed to uh, accelerates it. So um, I think it's I think it's possible, but we have to keep fighting and particularly fight the ignorance. Um, probably ignorance more than apathy, um, but it, ignorance is a very tough thing, as we all know, to 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 fight through. But you bring up such a good point, and I think you know I'm going to sort of now kind of put Mukul's feet to the fire a little bit on this one. <laughs> Mukul, if you don't mind, I know it's you know uh, if I may ask the question, which is, I mean, with knowledge at Wharton, I mean, can we? Look at, I mean, this is basically what Aniket, with what he's saying, which I think is so true, is really that whole democratizing financial literacy, right? And people actually knowing what they're buying, people actually know, you know, what rights they have or don't have. I mean, again, are we sort of, is this sort of, a, again, an extreme form of idealism, or is it really possible for us to do that and for people to understand that your behavior really does have an impact, um, you know, what you're doing? be it by, you know, coming in an ETF or whatever. So t- t- thanks for turning the tables on me and making me, answer, <laughs> or making me answer a question rather than, you know, doing the journalistic thing by, about uh, asking questions. But I think uh, both of you are absolutely right. The, uh, we see financial literacy as a huge challenge. Uh, and, and uh, in fact, if you look back 10 years uh, to the financial crisis, I think... A lot of the kinds of mortgages uh, that people signed would not have been possible if people had really understood what they were signing, even a- apart from the incentives that the financial institutions had to, you know, basically uh, hoodwink the the people who were signing these subprime mortgages. Uh, and and so one of the things that we have tried to do uh, through knowledge at Wharton, but even more, especially through a high school portal that we launched uh, in 2011 called Knowledge at Wharton High School uh, is financial literacy. And and what's been very interesting to see is that in the U.S., uh, there are, I think, now 17 states that require high school students be taught the basics of personal finance as a way to uh, uh, you know understand the basics of insurance, mortgage, uh, leasing versus buying cars, budgeting, the basics of debt, and so on. And these are all things that require to be taught. So I, I think that, at least on the personal finance side, uh, I do see that there is some change that is happening. But if I could flip the tables on you, both of you again, uh, uh, the question I would have for you is, goes back to something that Aniket said, that change is hard. Uh, so what if I were to ask each of you, what's one thing you would change if you could? I mean, if you could wave a magic wand and say, this has to change first, uh, uh, what would that one thing be? Uh, so Doreen, maybe ask you first and then Aniket, give you some time to think about what your <laughs> yes, change I need, might be. I need, the, I need the extra time, so thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> well, Mukul, I think for, for me, if I had a magic wand and change one thing, it really would be... Um, giving representation of half the planet, which is the women in the markets. Um, And I think, um, I really think it's a tragedy that uh, 800 years of capital markets, you know, and uh, we don't have women representation. So I think, you know, if we can actually do that, have more women-related products, 
have uh, women-focused um, services, and all, all that be linked to financial performance. I think um, I really think we'll see a different world. You know, we really will because um, I mean it has been shown over and over again. We have seen it with our work that when you have the element of women in the equation, all of a sudden the risk goes down of an investment um, because again, you know. It is what it is. The women are more reliable. You see that even with even something similar as insurance. You know, women's insurance is is lower. You know, when it, with a car and all that. So, um, you know, this is what the numbers are saying. I think you know the the risk goes down. You have more impact on not just the woman herself, but the family and the community. So, I do think that you know, if we can somehow figure out how to bring more women into the equation in the financial markets, I think you know we will see a better world in every direction. Um, so that's my magic wand, and I hope one that's, day it happens. That, that, that's an inspiring vision, and I, you know, thank you for that. Anikit, what do you think? Yeah, my, mine is, is slightly different. Um, if I could wave a magic wand, I would have every corporation and individual pay their fair share in tax and um, not be hiding um, the extraordinary amounts of money that are currently being hide it, currently being being hidden and siphoned away um, in these tax havens that are growing by the day and starving uh, governments around the world from being able to finance and support many of the basic public uh, goods that they should be providing. Um, and I think we are starting to, as an industry. I'm sorry, not as a financial industry, but just the private sector as a whole, um, truly understand the scale of of these problems and understanding our uh, generally deleterious role in all of this. Um, (laughs) And uh, I think it has to stop. I think, um, you know, you didn't ask me how feasible this one magic wand <laughs> would be so i so um and i really hope um that this is at least as feasible as doreen's uh as doreen's uh, uh, uh dreams but uh, i just don't see how this sustainable development agenda will ever be uh, supported without uh more and better but more government and government sponsored programs uh uh, globally, and I think that uh, corporations and uh, and high high net worth individuals again uh, need to um, need to uh, uh, be held to account. So I, I think the the, the w- one wonderful thing about dreams is that there's absolutely nothing wrong wrong with having your heads in the head in the clouds, as long <laughs> as your feet are on the ground. Right. <laughs> so 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 let me ask each of you again. In order to accomplish the, the, the dream that you just outlined, what are some two or three you know, concrete steps that you think uh, we could take in the next you know, year or so to, to start walking towards that vision? Yeah. Uh, Doreen, any thoughts? Well, I think you know, for us it really is obviously um, looking how we can create more and more um, of financial products um, that is easy for investors to come in. So be it uh, fixed income instruments, you know, be it um, mutual funds or ETFs that, with, again, focused on women's services or impacting women. So 
I think the reality is, you know, for any of this to happen, we have to make the initiative to create products, to, you know, create ways and process um, where we are empowering uh, every single investors because, again, they can basically make the, the impact by their, by their dollar. So, um, and then I think I really think that's, again, going back to the whole education thing is it's, you know, that Uncut brought up, it's a really important one and what you're doing where people don't ever think that it's us and them, but really think of it as us. Mm-hmm. Everything is us because the reality is you may be an investor, but you also are a beneficiary yourself. Um, and I think that idea of that, you know, we are all living in the same world and the planet and what happens to you happens to me as well um, is something that is very important to understand. And uh, and hopefully that is also part of the equation as we can bring more product and services focused on women to the market. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I think uh, <coughs> uh, corporate uh, accountability and corporate transparency uh, will happen uh, if <laughs> ultimately if a the individuals who invest in these companies and invest in uh, the securities of of governments through their bond issuances if they demand it and so it really it won't happen on its own and so I think the more time that can be spent um, on the long hard work of financial uh, literacy and knowledge the better. Uh, and so I think continuing down that path uh, is very important. And where how that happens, well, that's a difficult question. But I think a, a stronger focus on financial knowledge and education is just is absolutely critical. So that's one. And then in a much more practical um, uh, perspective, I think investors need to demand that the fund managers who manage money on behalf of them are actually advocating for these types of changes with the money that they are investing on behalf of individual investors. You know, I think that this whole, uh, the say and the voice that investors can have, or that investors have and can be used for good is enormous. And it's just not being uh, used enough because the large fund managers are not hearing (coughs) from their beneficiaries, i.e. from the people who are invested within them, that they care about these issues. And so I think figuring out ways so that that voice of the end investor um, and their concerns and their priorities can be brought to the managers of their money and be ensured that that actually gets translated into resolutions and proxy votes and so on and protests and all the things, all the tools that we have, the legal tools, the social tools, the technological tools, that can change systems. I think that's just a really, really uh, important avenue of change. So, um, but ultimately, I, I come back to what we talked about a few minutes ago, which is that, you know, all of these things could they could happen. I mean, they, it is possible mechanically, uh, but but I think what Doreen said is is absolutely right. It, it's going to require some some. You know, I hate to use the word heroic, uh, but but some real courageous efforts from uh, people within the industry to take a look at what they're doing and change their behavior. And I think that'll only happen if their shareholders and their constituencies are telling them, we need you to change, otherwise uh, we're walking. Great. So I think, th- thanks, Anika. I think we're almost out of time, so I'll just say one 
last uh, one last question to each of you. Uh, uh, is there anything that you would have liked to say about uh, ESG and ETFs that you you wanted to say but haven't been able to say it so far? What what would that be? Anika, do you want to go first? Yeah, no, I I, I think I have uh, I've said my mind, so I think I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Thank you. I think, Mukul, for me, it really is, um, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to go uh, deeper with it. So I think, um, I think you have to start somewhere, I always say, and it's, and it's great that we do have all of this um, interest around it and uh, products being made. Um, but now let's sort of push ourselves and see if we can actually start seeing more impact and um, start having more voice, you know, from the people who are, been, you know, being impacted by all this. So the journey... Starts. So, uh, so it's very exciting. Wonderful. So, Doreen, Aniket, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your being part of the Knowledge Award and podcast on from Back Street to Wall Street. Thanks very much. Thank you.